0: Can I cuss on this? That was yeah. fucking wild. I, there's a clip where I am I look at my girlfriend and coaches. I'm like, that was fucking wild. Like, I did not expect that. I'm bleeding my own blood. I haven't bled. I've had I had 11 MMA fights, 11 amateur MMA fights. And I had one professional fight at that time. I had never bled. Noah Chad made me bleed my first blood in, like, a combat fight. It was fucking nuts. It was nuts to me. and it, But it was a super cool experience. And then I also realized that my next match was going to be more jujitsu based. I was like, I can't slap anymore. My hands are compromised. Um, And this guy now thinks that I'm going to be slap heavy. So I'm going to art of war it and switch it up on him.
1: What is up, everybody? It is your friendly neighborhood BJJ podcaster, Rap Sparza, coming to you with another great installment of the Grappling Hour. How are you doing today? Mm-hmm. And then what she say? Oh, that's great. Hey, here's what I want to say to you guys. Uh, first and foremost, I am very glad that you're here. But while you're here, why don't we take a moment to actually... Do something that would be great for us here at the show. If you wouldn't mind, it would do such great things for us if you go over to page backslash grappling hour and you become a member of the grappling hour community. What does that mean? It means that you get access to these interviews 30 days before anybody else. That means you'll see information, topics, discussion 30 days before anybody else, and it supports. The show which supports me, which makes me able to do fun stuff like this and get great guests like the one we have today. Now, if you pay a few extra dollars, you can see uh, what we call our premium tier, which means you get to see extra bonus episodes, uh, content that is only available there, extra interviews, and even some of my rolling uh, footage, which uh, I'll preview this and and say this very kindly— Uh, There is a very funny clip that no one else is going to see on social media of me in a recent competition that I find funny, but I'm also, uh, you know, I mean, I'm laughing at it, but it it does hurt a little bit. Um, It's more aggravating more than anything. When you see the clip, you'll understand two reasons why I'm mad if you know me well enough. Anyway, it's not about me. It's about our guest today. Here's what I want to say about our guest. When I saw that he was going to be replacing a mutual friend of ours, uh, Bobby Winther, I was like, oh, man, I really wanted to see Bobby compete. Damn. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a bummer. Who's this Anthony Orozco kid? Like, what's he all about? And then I started researching and I've, I've recognized, I'm like, oh, I've kind of seen him around. He's got mutual friends in the jiu-jitsu community yeah, his wrestling looks pretty good. Let's see what he's going to do. And then at Subversive, he was not only wonderfully professional, wonderfully kind to everybody behind the scenes, but then he turned a switch. And once the matches were going, this man was a savage and gave us amazing combat jiu-jitsu action. Now, granted, a lot of jiu-jitsu doesn't always have memorable slaps. We're getting better. But the minute my man started connecting palm to face, it was amazing. And dare I say this, His team ended up winning the entire tournament. Now, he can't say stuff like this because his teammates may think something different. But I'll say it. I think my man here turned the momentum, and momentum is a real thing in tournaments, in his team's favor. And literally, with his back up against the wall, was able to get people rallied, excited, late at night, including his team and the crowd, which he hyped up. So... I want to welcome to the show, for the very first time, uh, hopefully a new friend, because I've seen how he slaps, and I'd prefer not to be slapped by this man, but ladies and gentlemen, please welcome, for the very first time on the show, one, Anthony Orosco. How are you doing, sir?
0: doing excellent. I'm doing excellent. I wanted to remind you about um, the slap neats, as well, that we do behind the scenes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let me point this out to you. Again, I, I told you off-air, I was like, there are some parts of subversive I'm in charge of, I'm the guy behind the scenes day of who makes a lot of stuff happen. Mm -hmm. Having said that, that was basically baby bird dropped into my lap. And I looked at that and I said, that's pretty funny. Like, okay, but the balls on you to actually do said technique, how important was that for you to actually do? Because sometimes we say it as a joke and uh, I tell a lot of jokes. I definitely tell a lot of jokes to the guys I train with. But I don't do all those jokes in the middle of rolling. And that's just rolling. So how important was it for you to make that kind of a statement?
0: (laughs) Well, I just wanted, I was talking a big game saying that combat jiu-jitsu is such a new sport. So there's techniques that we haven't even unearthed yet. So I wanted to show that there are techniques that we haven't unearthed yet and they work. So I was keeping my word to myself and to everyone else, you know. So I did my tornado slap sneak. And yeah, I clipped it after that. It was important on so many levels.
1: What do you attribute the creation of the? Uh, I'm so sorry. What's the name of it again?
0: That one was just a tornado slap. Um, okay, so it's a so slap.
1: A slap nado is what you referred to it as. Slap Yeah. <laughs> slap Okay. So I'm sorry. I'm I'm very new to this lexicon. So you're gonna have to help this very old man who's trying to figure out, I'm sorry, what'd you call it? Uh, but yes, you're slap meek. Uh, where do you attribute this particular, uh, form or technique to, sir? Uh,
0: just really humbly working on my craft day in and day out, you know, before that tournament leading up to that tournament. But yeah, I think it was just trying to come up with something funny and something flashy for, a new sport and for people that I know are wanting to go there and be entertained. So that's really where it was. I just wanted to have fun and be entertaining.
1: (laughs) And you were, you were, so congrats on that front. I want to also say this, which is that you have a certain kind of haircut where from first appearance, when I saw the, the hair, the initial haircut, I was like, you can only be like a fighter or wrestler with that haircut Or like the most insane person. Now, that doesn't mean they're not mutually exclusive. But in this particular case, I saw the haircut and I was like, I already know this dude wrestles. And then I look, I see your clips and I go, yeah, all right. Mission accomplished here. So we'll get into your background here, but I want to go off subversive for a few more instances. Uh, What was your experience like? How did you feel? Like We'll get into the matches here in a second but what was your overall takeaway from the experience uh, of going to Subversive?
0: Yeah, Subversive as an event was wildly amazing. It was, I said this in a comment a couple times because it really, it really stuck out to me that it was a three day experience. We had a press conference, like a nice presser. We met with people, we were asked questions. We had a legit person asking us questions in front of cameras and it was YouTube live streamed. The next day, we had an amazing turnout. It was one of the cooler venues I've ever competed in. And um, again, like you were talking about, the energy was actually on point from the fans. And then the third day I had, because we won, I had to go, or I got to go sit down with the behind the scenes people and get some u and just have a championship meal. So it was a three day experience. Is one of the cooler experiences I've ever experienced. Experience, experience,
1: experience. Hey, listen, it's all right. You're you're not getting paid by the experience drop in, <laughs> but we could maybe talk about it in post. What I would want to say is, uh, you know, you mentioned the behind the scenes stuff. It's not my best moment for this reason, which is that I had promised a friend who was competing on the subversive card because I don't get down to San Diego all the time. But I said, hey, if I'm down there, I'm going to come train, and I was literally looking for the opportunity to do so going into the event I definitely cannot train cuz I'm doing a lot of stuff but the day after I was like hey man let's make it happen I was like are we doing it and he's like yeah 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 he had a match took a little bit of an injury and I was like are we are, are we still training cuz like you can tell me no dude it's fine and he's just like yeah will will we'll, let me let me message you so the boys come over and they're like hey man we're going to go to get some steak and I go I cannot go because I think I may have to train, sir. And I gave my word and they're like, bro, it's a five course meal. And I was like, oh, it literally took all of them whining in unison. (laughs) And then I go, yeah, all right, fine. I'll go. And plus my boy was like, yeah, dude, I'm not coming, man. I'm pretty, I'm going to take a day off. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it works out. Uh, You suck. Just remember this is a loss on your record. I'm way better than you. Okay, good. So when I go and I, I get to see you there and I go, oh great, we're gonna chat. No, 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 no. You're in demand that day. Everybody wants a piece of your time. So I was like, I don't even get to talk to him. I was like, I would have very nicely like two minutes to be like, hey, come do the show. And instead, on my way out, I'm like, hey, you're very good. Do my show or I'll haunt you in your dreams. And as I'm saying this to you, I am aware of your work, but I, I took it as a testament that everybody appreciated the work that you did and that For us, it was a way to give back to you for not only being good on the mats, but for being a really, really good professional behind the scenes, because people don't see that part. People don't know that you have to carry yourself as a certain way as an athlete, and we get a lot of uh, interesting people in jiu-jitsu who kind of miss that part, so uh, it was very cool to get to see you there and, and enjoying yourself, and I was very happy that you came out the next day with the group.
0: Yeah, I, when I got woken up that day to that text, I was so excited. I was like, oh, yeah, for sure. It's it's a good time to meet you guys. And it was just like really meet you guys like we're discussing. And, yeah, it was just it was really cool that you guys provided that three day all encompassing thing. You don't want to use the word experience again, but <laughs> you're OK.
1: You're OK. It's, it's fine. It's a compliment. I'll take it. If you had just been like <laughs> it was an experience, I'd be like, bro, I'm not doing that one anymore. Bro. It was mama mia. So good. <laughs>
0: all right we turned
1: the man into mario got
0: it and i got together with all of them for this wedding on saturday like what three days ago all of them are so italian i got one saying i'm saying Mamma mia now because she has Mamma mia tattooed right here she has rigatoni uh angel hair uh bow tie and another type of pasta tattooed on her knuckles like these people are She's got the tattoo of the Italian like horn. It's yeah. They're. I've had a lot of old white men coming up to me, picking my brain and punching me out. You know, asking me if I want to wrestle. These Italians are crazy. So I'm saying "Mamma Mia" now.
1: <laughs> I have to ask for their safety, but you didn't take anything or any of them up on a wrestling uh, match or, or or gesture, did
0: you? She's the youngest. My girlfriend's the youngest of like. Four other girls so all of those girls have husbands now all of them it's just like fratty vibes like they're all coming up and they're hugging me and like then the other ones punching me in the gut like it's so funny i didn't up on a one-on-one but i'll uh, they're trying to push it with a certain um one of the husbands because he actually wrestled in the past too so we might at the next family event get some mats going get some mat time you know Hey, listen, I like this a lot better.
1: An organized version of this is way better. I have been to far too many weddings. As a brown person, I know what it's like to have T.O., have some convenient gloves. Like, things happen at barbecues and get-togethers, so it's not foreign to me. But what is unusual is, as you get older, you're like, hey, man, you could just come train. Like, legitimately, just come find me. This is a dumb idea to do it here. There are no mats. That's really not beneficial for any of us. So uh, to me, when I hear you saying that, I'm like, I don't know, man, there's a glimmer in your eye that you have that I'm like, he might be crazy enough to kind of indulge this. And I don't (laughs) know how uh, aware of this they may be, but I want to, I want to point out a couple things here. Number one, very proud of the fact that while at a wedding, I believe this weekend, you still were finding time to watch a UFC. So it told me the commitment that you have at the table, on a cell phone, still keeping up with the affairs. Were there any times that something was happening that conflicted and you had to put the, the UFC kind of down or like downplay it a little bit?
0: Honestly, no. Most of the, most of the dudes we're interested in the UFC as well. They're like sports guys. And then most, a lot of them like have watched podcasts of mine already. They already knew me. It was the first time I met them. So they already knew like, Anthony, we got to watch this. That was like our talking point. And I mean, that's my personality. So it was perfect. Like, yeah, we'll get along, you know? So one actually already had it up on his phone type of thing. Like that was not even my phone. I was just surrounded by other meathead, uh, UFC fans and I was I loved it I was in my own element you know I'm a little was disappointed like, now I,
1: I gotta be honest I'm a little disappointed now because I thought that you were the one to have that organization I was gonna give you the props and you the credit but instead you were taking someone else's phone now now I kind of put all this together and I was like
0: well I recorded my phone whose phone do you think I how do you think I got the video <laughs>
1: My man literally came in and was like, well, I was world star filming the fight. So you're welcome, America. Like, yeah, okay, <laughs> dude, you're the distributor of it. Which, by the way, makes you legally liable. So I wouldn't go around saying that uh, very pronounced if I were you.
0: I did have all of the servers, all the servers that cared, coming around and being like, oh, who who's up right now? Who's up right now? There was one guy who I had bet money with against... Uh, I actually thought Alja was going to win. So I lost 10 bucks to a wedding server. I was like, hey,
1: motherfucker. Well, first of <laughs> all, it's only $10. And you know what? I think you can spare that for the good people helping this wedding run efficiently. My,
0: but- cold. My, steak, was cold. My, My steak, steak was cold. My steak was
1: cold? Wow. So I guess the first question I always ask when that happens is, what'd you do?
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know what I did to deserve that. that. I don't know what I did to deserve it.
1: Well, let's go deeper into this, this hole, because I feel like uh, a lot of people are in their feels that Sugar Sean did win. Did you care, or did you just feel like, no, nah, I think Aljo's got his number?
0: That's the second one. I just thought Aljo would win by bear hug, you know? I he thought that's great, what was going to He was going to come
1: that. in with like a, a wet blanket approach, uh, basically yeah. just kind of stuffing him and going up. Uh, kind of against the cage, trying to make that work for him, right?
0: Yeah, and once I heard Aljo re-mention that he took down Cejudo like four times, I realized, oh wait, yeah, he's probably going to be able to take Sean down. Typically, I just try to enjoy. I don't want to like break thing- break the main events down. I want to enjoy him. But that time, I was like, okay, yeah, I think Aljo's going to bear hug this man. That's
1: understandable. Plus, you know, I'm sure. There's a little bit of, all right, he took down Henry Cejudo, who is our wrestling king. I got to give him some props as a wrestler. So you want to make sure that you're, you're kind of going in that chain of like, hmm, well, logically MMA math says this to this and this to this. So this can always oh, knocked out. Uh, I didn't. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it happens to the best of us. And I'll tell you this uh, very honestly, uh, at my wedding, There was a UFC fight and for years when I was doing verbal tap, I had a co-host. My co-host was in my wedding and his job, he was like, well, what do you need me to do at your wedding? What can I do to help you? I was like, your job is to keep me informed on the event. There is a pay-per-view. You are to come up and like, I'm a president, whisper in my ear the results. I was like, because my wife, she knows I love this stuff but we're not quite at that level where I could be like, let's put it on. I was like, yeah, this really should be more about us, right? Like I can take a day off. So every like match in the main card, he would like come up to the sweetheart table and be like, Raphael, I have some news to report. It ended in the fifth round. Was it good? People will say it was pretty good. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your service. And then literally that was the approach the entire night so I have tried to, to create a blueprint for those who are, are in an actual marriage. But if you're getting married, I told people, I was like, y'all can watch whatever you want. Like, you guys, not worried about this. Keep it on. Put it on. Don't worry about me. Uh, for you guys, just make sure that you are able to uh, partake and enjoy it. So that is something that I made sure that my guests would be able to do. But you were able to watch it. And I think that was uh, very, very good. All right. Let's kind of get into your actual subversive matches, because uh, if memory serves me correct here, was it you and Noah Chen in the first round? Yes. Okay. Now, here's the weird part. I like Noah a lot. So when I saw the two of you, I go, oh, okay. Okay. I like both these guys. So then I always have to be Switzerland. I always have to remove myself. I go, you know what? Let the boys do what they're going to do and may the best man win and i'm out i got shit to run anyways so from a a purely like professional and and interpersonal dynamic i was like i know they're both good but i do wonder how this is gonna go so tell me your recollection of the match from where you remember
0: yeah going into it my mentality was i'm trying to knock this guy out with slaps with my open palms just because In my preliminary interview, um, I had mentioned multiple times that I wanted that knockout bounty. And I also worked in an accounting firm in May this year and got let go. So I needed the money. I needed the bounty. And then, yeah, so I think going into it mentality-wise, it's nice to know that I was looking for that knockout. That's why you didn't really see jujitsu in that match for me. I was really just... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> looking to slap this guy's chin to the side and cause some whiplash and cause him to short circuit, you know. Um, so going into that match, that's what the goal was. And then Noah, I think his goal was actually some jiu-jitsu And then he realized that I was just going for that knockout, so he started slapping back. It was it was cool to see that occur, all that like occur in one moment, you know. I think one of the
1: the benefits that I've seen in in the years of doing like uh combat jujitsu stuff is the realization that a good jujitsu practitioner has with their hands where they look at it like I can use you. Like they have that moment in, in a handful of matches where they just all of a sudden it just occurs to them when they're passing guard like oh oh and then they start hitting with that and I think that happened with Noah. And the nice part is you have some MMA experience. You have a lot of jujitsu experience and a lot of wrestling experience. So, you know, then it's about managing all of those things to one whole package. So I could see a lot of that from you, but I also saw some showmanship there. So it looked like you, you were engaging the crowd. And like, I thought the two of you were well matched. And, uh, I thought, man, I had a lot of props for, for Noah afterwards as well. I thought that you guys put together a very solid first match, uh, for us and so that always puts us in a good mood but uh yeah what were you feeling like towards the end
0: and then after the match um well I, I credit to your point um i didn't mention earlier but i got i was wanting that bounty so bad that i forgot to do jiu-jitsu and i really i really didn't think about passing guard or like s- um, smothering, you know, that was, it was so funny to me. That's what I told my coaches after. I was like, dude, wait, I was just, blown up. I, not see red, but I was just seeing one, one line, you know, one lane. So that was pretty crazy. Um, but I guess when I went in for, when we went in for the overtime, I remember feeling, feeling so exhausted. <laughs> my arms and hands were, Oh, my palms were hurting. Cause I, for the first time ever, I was striking with open palms. So my palms were hurting as I was like walking around that bear hug to start overtime. That was a memory I had to only escape two seconds faster than Noah was crazy to me. Like, I don't know, just so many, so many things were happening at that one time. When I left the mat, I remember saying that was, can I cuss on this? That was yeah. fucking wild. I There's a clip where I'm just, I look at my girlfriend and coaches, I'm like, that was fucking wild. Like, I did not expect that. I'm bleeding my own blood. I haven't bled. I've had I had 11 MMA fights, 11 amateur MMA fights, and I had one professional fight at that time. I had never bled. No Chad made me bleed my first blood in, like, a combat fight. It was fucking nuts. It was nuts to me, and it, but it was a super cool experience. And then I also realized that my next match was going to be more jujitsu based. I was like, I can't slap anymore. My hands are compromised. Um, and this guy now thinks that I'm going to be slap heavy. So I'm going to art of war it and switch it up on him. So that's those were what I was thinking after the match. That
1: makes sense. Because I did see you get that high. And it's kind of... Uh, it's a fun ride for us who watch, and I'm sure similar to how you watch other people fight, uh, perhaps not Aljo this past weekend, but I mean, for other people, when you're you're absorbing it, you get on like a roller coaster, you go like, oh, I'm kind of feeling what they're feeling. And so when I saw you getting excited, I was like, oh, damn, I think I'm excited right now. Like, this is dope. (laughs) And then what's really complicating the issue is we don't know those things. We know that you were in a, a rough match, but we don't know like, oh, this is the first time he's ever bled. Oh, his his palms aren't there. Oh man, I don't know what's going through his head right now. So when you get this insight into it and you get these things, what you realize is, damn, it's it's a margin that you beat and it's awesome, but now you've gotta do it again. So it's finding a new sense in that time, that downtime. But the one thing people might forget in this scenario is, you're part of a team, so you're still experiencing this for other people. So you don't even get to like really watch it from afar yet. You're in it in a different way for two other people. So what was that experience like to be absorbing it for yourself and then two other teammates?
0: Yeah. um, I think as my job, I'm an ENFP. So I give energy, right? Uh, My, (laughs) My job on that team was to make sure that both of them were charged up, motivated, and they had the energy to go out and do what they needed to do to secure our money. I am someone who can dial in whenever, wherever, however. Like my girlfriend does, I don't mind my girlfriend being back there with me. I don't mind not having music in my headphones. I don't need headphones. I can can be in one place at one time and then when I step on that mat, I turn it on. So for me, I just made sure that I poured all my energy into them uh, because I got myself covered. So I think, but as far as experiencing from there, from experiencing their matches as they were going on, I was confident we won the first one. Once I had won, I was confident in Marcos to win, but the finals match was a different story. If, if you want to get into that too. We will, we
1: will. Uh, but I have uh, a particular follow-up question based off of uh, the information I was just given here. Uh, and the question is as follows. Where the shit does this energy come from? Because you're just casually being like, I just I have this energy to give. And I'm like, are you a video game character? Like, where does this manifest from? Like, where are you getting this bound of energy? Did someone drop? like, a little uh, energy kit for you? Did you eat an apple? Like, where is it coming from? It's the Level Mushrooms, the sponsor. No, I'm just... (laughs) No, 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 hold on, hold on. This is one of the few times you can do this unabashedly, considering they took care of us. No, 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 no. this is the show where you can plug them.
0: We love them. (laughs) Yeah, it's the Level Mushrooms, man. They're always, they're keeping me dialed in and keeping me animalistic, Uh, but... Like I said, I'm an ENFP. I think that's just how I'm designed. I just give, give, give.
1: So when did you discover that you had this particular gift? Because um, I am known as uh, kind of a, a level person. So amongst my crew, my job is always to be the center. So anytime the guys are like up or down, they'll know they can look at me and I'll be like, we're fine. And they know that there's a a commonality. So we we might serve similar purposes for what we do. It's just my energy is a different energy. Whereas yours is like, no, 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 man. I made you win that match. You're welcome. Like to me, I have to understand it a little bit more. So uh, can you define a little bit more of what that is?
0: Yes, this is all off the cuff. I think there's a responsibility for someone, there's a responsibility for a leader a lot of times. And a lot of times I don't want to be the leader, but I see that there needs to be a leader. So I become the leader because I'm confident enough to make a mistake in front of people and bounce back. And I'm also confident enough to just be the voice because sometimes there's not a a coordinator and it's like, that's so essential for any team. So I think it's just the confidence to be able to fuck up the confidence to be able to be confident in my decision. Um, that's where I find it. And a lot of times people aren't confident enough, confident to be, what's the word? Just like, I don't know. They're not confident enough to give, you know? Sure. Um,
1: okay. That, that does make sense. Cause my whole background of, let's put it this way. The easiest way to explain this is when I was growing up, people would go, oh, so you're naturally uh, Raphael from the Ninja Turtles. And I was like, I don't know, man, he's kind of a hothead. I am I get the rude and cool part, like that part works for me. But, like, I don't think I just run into a forest when I get mad at people, like, that's not really my thing. And they're like, well, who are you more like? And I'm like, well, I'm the scientist like Donatello, but I go, I'm always the leader. And they're like, yeah. And I go, yeah, it's super boring, but The reason why is because no one else will lead the team well. So yeah, energies, I do kind of get that. It's just perhaps my stoicism to your like, hey man, no, we got this. Let's come here, let's get ready, let's do this. It is serving a very similar purpose of being a leader, but in different ways. So that's cool. That's very, very interesting to hear because I would not have put us in the same boat. I would not have been like, oh, he's doing this because it's similar to my approach. But I do very much understand that. Uh, You mentioned... You wanted to get into the finals. Well, let's get into it. So you kind of give an assessment of where your team stands. You're looking at the finals. <clears throat> it's getting close to being super late. But as that's happening, you do get some recovery time. So is there any kind of moment in that recovery time where you look at your hand and you're like, ah, it's not so bad. I think I can make this work. Or are you more so just going into that strategy of like, let's be smart. Let's just try and make this more of a jiu-jitsu
0: thing. I think it just was never an option. My hand was hurting, so I was just—I'm not striking in this match, you know. And I also learned that the strikes really aren't doing anything, and I can't—if I can't knock Noah out with what I threw at him, I was throwing really hard, and I didn't knock him out. I was like, eh, let's just focus on position and win this match because I'm that much closer to four thousand. Like, we gotta—I can't play with our money, you know. Absolutely. So waste energy on a, something that wasn't really working for me.
1: Well, let's talk about was what was working for you. Because <clears throat> I talked about momentum, and I saw you off air kind of nodding your head a little bit. But to me, it was really like, I was telling this to a couple of people. I was like, yeah, I mean, arguably MVP, because it was a rough spot. Like there was a real process of maybe not... Uh, going to advance, not winning. And when that happens, you you have to dig super deep as an athlete or as a competitor. So can you talk me through any of that?
0: Yeah, the way I was describing it, MVP for sure. I mean, both time, both um, duels, team duels, we were down 1-0. So I had to win that match and I had to turn the momentum. I was against everyone... Each team's momentum, I mean, that's nuts. Then I have Noah Chen. I think he's a brown belt. He's a jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu practitioner. He's a stud at legs. I've been jiu-jitsu, doing jiu-jitsu for two years. Um, I wrestled for eight, so I mean, I. however that math's for y'all, however that PEMDAS works. Um, but I was a little in over my head against Noah. And then I go out in the finals against, I forgot this name, Koi, his quick name. Do you remember his name? Koi. Uh, I believe so. And I'll double check that as you're looking. He's a black belt. He's under um, the boogeyman. He's on the team that's supposed to win it. Their team, their crowd is massive. He, that guy that I'm going against, he hosted a tournament the week before because he's a black belt stud. Um, So I'm like, what's going on here? How did this all accumulate? And it's Anthony Orozco against him, you know? So it was a tall order. Um, but I'm a gamer. Like I said, I turned that switch on and I won nationals in wrestling twice. I was a four-time All-American. I won that as a freshman, as a mere baby amongst men. Uh, just, just a competitor. Just, just him at the... It does come into play
1: and I, I think this is a, a fun thing that I like to tell wrestlers that I work with, which is, if I teach you about five or six things that'll even the playing field, And then I go, I'm going to teach you four. And they're like, yeah. And I was like, I still need two. I go, I (laughs) I have something in the back pocket. I'm getting too old now. And I kind of understand how this works. And uh, there's a guy who I work with who's a a D1 wrestler. And uh, it's great, man. Like, just watching him absorb. And when people are like, how is he getting it so fast? I go, they just have a good discipline for understanding i don't know what this is so teach me it and then i'm going to work like hell to make this work in my way and when you have that there's a commonality that i've I've worked with multiple wrestlers that you do see that approach and the really good people like they're able to even things out to the point where that d1 wrestler gives me good rounds and i've been doing this for decades now like now i'm just like what am i doing like jesus christ like this is dumb (laughs) So, when you mention your, your natural accolades, we'll get to that in a second. But I do want to ask this, because I saw the minute, the way that you looked hype, the way that you were celebrating, what were you thinking and feeling? Because that last match was even more epic, dare I say, uh, because we had two people who looked like they were going to get into a fight, like an actual fight. And for you guys, though... Brought everybody to the mat, it made everybody interested to see how it was gonna like finalize. So, to me, I thought that was dope because we had what sometimes gets referred to as a big fight feel for the end of the day, and uh, I couldn't be happier about that. So, you get all super riled up, and I see the energy coming from you. So, what was it like to watch that last match from your perspective?
0: Oh, it was with Mar- Marcos and his opponent, man. And Alex. I mean photos of me up to the edge slamming my hand. There's multiple photos of my boy, like all my family around us. It was it went from like 30 to 30 of their guys versus me screaming. And I'd argue that I did a good job battling them on the on the on the decibel scale. Then everyone realized that like, no, I want to cheer for this underdog, these this team that came back. Then everyone like each um, one edge of the square mat was cu- was for them one edge was for us and it was like a battle it was like two gladiators going at it and they they're the big guys at the end who are also both athletic also chippy also z- characters and personalities you know it was it was picture perfect ending for us at least and then the belt wow
1: Okay, I should probably bring up my perspective. I wasn't gonna bring this one up
0: necessarily. Yeah,
1: dude. I love to hear it. <laughs> All right. So uh this is how you can tell there's a mix between being behind the scenes talent and talent. So behind the scenes talent means immediately when the event's done, you go into cleanup mode. Like I have my equipment spread out. You know, I had put up the video games, so I have to go make sure that. One, the video games are still there. Like, nobody better have stolen this or else I'm fighting people. And then slowly breaking down the equipment. And then I see you, shirt off, belt on, walking around. And I go, All right, I'll I'll go say congrats to you at some point. But I want to <laughs> make sure I'm like, hey, I don't want to uh, interject, but I don't want to have you leave without like saying it on behalf of all of us, like, hey man, good job, congrats. Cause I know there's a lot of other subversive people working there. You got Brandon, you got Mike, you get all these guys who are also behind the scenes who are, I'm sure going up and like saying like, good job, good job. But then you got your family. All these people are coming up to you and they're talking to you, but that belt never leaves your waist that entire time. And I thought multiple times I was like, Oh, he's gone. Ah oh, shit. All right. I'll send him a note when I set up this interview. No, still there. And I was like, Oh, he is, he is living his best life here. Still no shirt, still belt on. <laughs> still chilling here. And at this point now, you're in casual conversation mode because most people become a different person when the belt's on them. I don't care who you are. You put a belt on you, everybody acts maybe a little bit different. Their their chest gets a little bit, their posture gets a little bit, and even their stomach, they're like, oh man, my stomach's way more in shape than it was coming in. You (laughs) had this pronounced peacock posture that I didn't see before. And then... When I'm walking around, you <laughs> now are at a point with this belt around your waist where your gestures are very conversational. Like, oh, yeah, I would say that is my, my favorite thing. And there's this. And I go, oh, so now he's a philosopher with the championship belt. We got Socrates over here. Okay, yeah. good to know.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? I deserve that because the whole two days prior, I was walking around like in the shadows. I didn't have that peacock, but that's, I think the coolest part to me, it's like someone who like, I'm, I'm typically humble and this and that walking around humbly, like big jacket on. I'm not flexing the whole time. I'm not doing any of that. But once I win, it's like, you didn't know it. I had it in me. Did you remember the name? Remember the name? You didn't, you didn't think I had it in me, but I did. So I think that actually occurs a lot. It's like, i'm very humble but then once i win it's like you didn't expect that did you,
1: you know? but i'll be honest with you it's not annoying it, it wasn't like i was looking at you being like this son of a bitch i should take his title right now i was just like man good for him he's enjoying it he should be but uh there was a coined phrase that i was going around telling people because they said they're like oh did you go did you go talk to him yet i was like you mean the bell of the ball now nah, he ain't got <laughs> time for me we'll talk later and so, even when you showed up the next day, I was like, well, 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 look who's here. The bell of the ball's here. And then they looked over and they're like, dude, I go, you know what? I don't want to ruin this. Like, I don't want to go up to him. I was like, I'm just going to give him shit when I talk to him. And that's fine. So, at least he's not hearing it in a malicious way. It's more just me being like, you know what, man? I hope everybody gets to experience something like that in their lives because not everybody wins a championship not everybody wins a big thing or has that many people cheering or getting wild at a certain event so you do wish that for people but you do know that it's fleeting you know winning is a drug so if you're in it you want to try and like all right i'm going to enjoy it but i'm not going to be obnoxious and you weren't obnoxious so you never reached that level i just knew i was like i'm going to give my man space all right i'll talk to him later But that was from my, like, walking around and, like, coiling cables, like, this motherfucker's so happy. Look at him. And I just thought, (laughs) I was like, you know what? I go, it's a good thing nobody gave you champagne goggles and champagne. We don't have that kind of money, but if they did, my man would be over here like an NBA playoff end and just over and with the knife and whatnot. But it was so fun to see. And I thought, like, the, the way I told it to people afterwards was they earned it. Like they gave us a fun finish. Whenever you put these events on, you're nervous as to how the finals going to go. So you always want it to be good. But we've been to enough events where, you know, sometimes it's a dud and that was not yeah. a dud. So I felt very happy that we had, we had provided as a community. So y'all did your part. We did our part. Then we all go out and uh, have fun. And well, most of us, we just went to go eat and pass out. So that was our thing, and then the next day we got to see you, which was wonderful, and uh, your girlfriend was great. She came along as well. I could see that everybody was getting along. We're watching the event. Now, here's the only thing that gets a little bit weird. I I feel like I can say this because this is a behind-the-scenes thing that I recognize normally it's the team that watches the event afterwards. It's very rare that you have the athletes that are involved in it who then are like, yo, play my highlight. And I go, oh shit, they're here. Like, I re- it was like production team and the athletes that won the event. And like, <laughs> you know, you guys are there like admiring your work. And that's yeah. great. But in my head, there's a couple moments where uh, there were a couple uh, malfunctions on the actual like there was a wrong camera angle or something where i'm mad so you're there sitting there having a great time being like this is great and i'm sitting there being like oh that fucking camera angle's off no 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 no. it's got to be this this so like we have two very different like recap experiences but uh what was it like to re-watch that was that the first time that you would rewatched uh some of those highlights uh from that evening's uh- event
0: no, I watched my stuff right away multiple times. I watched my work multiple times before I go to sleep. I planned the clips that I was gonna make out of it before I went to sleep that night. Yeah. What I what I actually enjoyed the most was watching not mine with you guys, but watching my teammates with you guys. Like I forgot about all the times that Marcos was like I forgot about when Marcos like rubbed his face with the guy's face. I forgot when Marcos was like telling him He stood up, he said, hey, if you slap me again when we're sitting on the feet, I don't care. I don't care.
1: (laughs) Like, and I don't know that people know this, but Marcos had come over to where uh, the production team was staying the night before and was wonderfully nice, super kind. And then the next day I see him and I'm like, the guy that was super nice and kind to us might get into a fist fight with one of our fighters. And like, I just yeah. want to remind them that if they go down to the ground, they can slap each other, which is almost like fighting, but I'd really prefer if nobody actually punches each other because as much as that might do good business for us, it's really going to sour the event uh, as a whole for the ending. So I'm like, please, just violence on the floor, standing up, one of you takedown. down. And yeah. uh, Alex, to his credit, man, Alex had some really uh, fun-looking slams. So I'm looking at that, and I go, all right, all right, everybody's cool, we're slamming each other, that's mostly fine. Don't slap each other standing up, and we're good, hey, we've got to finish. All right, that was cool. So yeah, I I thought that was actually very funny, and not an experience I get to share with a lot of different athletes. However, we do technique breakdowns with athletes later, but that's a different thing. Um, Let's do this. I want to ask, you don't have to tell me exactly what you did with some of the money that you received, but... Did you end up buying anything that meant something to you after the event with that money? Was there anything that you did that was vaguely fun with your prize money? Um,
0: no. No.
1: Noted. Okay, because I see that you know you mentioned a little bit earlier that you were previously working at an accounting firm, so that would account for why you don't spend your money stupidly. So now all these things seem to ch- uh, check off. All right, let's do this. Yeah. Here. Since this is your first time on the show, we do origin stories. So obviously you start with wrestling first rather than jujitsu. But let's start with wrestling. Where does wrestling into your life and at what age and what experiences were you having when you first started?
0: Yeah, so wrestling wasn't on my radar until i didn't make the freshman baseball team at my high school um the only others the only sport that i had done leading up to high school was baseball didn't make it so needed to find something to do and when i had like behavioral issues in eighth grade the student aide who walked around during lunch was the wrestling coach and he would always come around and I think he just saw as a little troublemaker. So he thought like wrestling would be good for him, teach him some discipline and stuff, you know? So I'd been lightly recruited by the student aid. So then I decided to join wrestling because I needed a sport. And I turned out to be pretty good as a freshman, like a little bit of talent, a little bit of body awareness, great, you know? And that's how my wrestling career started in high school.
1: Let's go back here for a second. Did you ever have an inkling that wrestling would be good for you? Because, you know, for me on jujitsu, I didn't really do jujitsu until a little bit later. And when people were like, "Oh, you you understand certain things, or you you pick up on certain things," and I'm like, "Well, the brain part I get, so the chest part I can kind of play a little bit." the durability is what surprises people because I'm not particularly great at it, but I'm pretty durable. So I'm in the rounds with people for a long ass time. And they're like, where does that come from? And I realized I was like, Oh shit. When my buddies and I used to like wrestle or grapple or like do all the stuff that you see from pro wrestling. I was like always the guy who had great defense. Like the best athlete would always be like, I can't beat you up. And then i was uh. like, Oh, okay. It's cool. Party trick, whatever. And then cut to years later and they're like, why is your defense so good? And I was like, Oh, Oh, I mean, I can talk to my boy, Brian Bond. He was trying to kick the shit out of me. He was 60 pounds heavier than me, and it just couldn't work. So Mm -hmm. if he couldn't beat the shit out of me, it's probably not happening for you. So uh, they they laugh and they joke about that. But do you have something similar? Because good wrestlers sometimes show hints of that, even
0: in other sports or in things leading up to it. I think I was... I definitely had all the energy in the world. My mom and dad told me that I was came out like a cannonball. So I was like a Tasmanian devil. I think it was probably the wrong choice to put me in baseball where what I did was eat seeds, salty seeds and drink sugar Gatorades and stand in the outfield oftentimes or pitch or catch, which doesn't exert any energy, you know? So they they always told me that I was full of energy. Um, my dad also wrestled in like eighth grade. So he would sometimes like show me a cradle <laughs> before I even like knew how to grapple. But he would be like, dude, if you can ever like grab a lock around a head and a leg, you kind of immobilize anybody. know, and, and so that he taught me how to do that. He was always super rough with it too, but that's the only thing he knew. Like rough as in like you crank the chin, you grab that thigh, and then you put your head in his hip, you know, you break it his posture and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> So I mean, you could say like that was in my life a little bit. There was some inklings, but not until I missed. I was not considering it up until not making the baseball team.
1: Copy that. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And yep. I mean, I'll say this: nobody says oh, you. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: Also, maybe there was. Maybe there's. I think there might have been more of a. WWE style in my life because we had a trampoline, and I had two younger sisters. There, and I mean, once there's only so much you can do on a trampoline with yourself, like jumping, learning backflips, this and that. That's where I got some body awareness. But you can choke slam all different types of ways. Your little yeah. sisters who are down, you can you can uh, do all types of things. So I was on the trampoline, choke slamming my sisters a couple times. I was teaching them how to chokeslam me, but I was doing the flurry moves, you know,
1: you do look like the person that would be bumping off of the walls. Like you, you definitely give the aura of a Shawn Michaels versus Hulk Hogan, him, uh, overexerting all of this stuff. Were you watching pro wrestling at this time? Because I mean, look, you're talking to a guy who clearly is well-educated in the arts. So I know. Was that there, and were you enjoying it at the time? And who are your favorites? If so,
0: Yeah, I I watched Friday Night SmackDown every day. Every Friday, I watched Monday Night Raw every Monday. Um, That was my jam for a long time. My favorites, uh, I was actually wondering, I wanted to ask you, like, what era would this be? Like, I was all with Edge. I got a little bit of Shawn Michaels. The Miz was coming in. Um, That's my era where I remember the most. And then also, I think Jericho was fading out so that was my era my like three four year stint
1: i think so they refer to that as the i believe the ruthless aggression era so it's you were in that kind of john cena was the king era and then i'm sure you're probably looking at him being like "Eh, he's all right but these other guys okay i like that guy like that guy um that makes sense okay okay Here's the important question, though, that you have to ask every good wrestling fan, which is, what was your finishing move? Because if you're doing all these moves, you have to have one or two that are kind of like your finishing moves. So what are your preferred
0: finishers, sure? Probably like Batista bomb.
1: (laughs) Okay, so now I'm starting to get a total profile of how much of a dick you were to your sisters. Because you're like, (laughs) oh, I didn't just go for any move. I was going for a Batista, like a power bomb that's elevated and then as they come down so <laughs> why that move because you're not a big dude so there's only a certain amount of people you're doing that move too so that's why when you're like yeah my sister is oh you uh, i don't know man i don't think i can do that to you
0: <laughs> yeah that was just the move that like i got the ho- tallest i don't know that was the highest move <laughs> the biggest you know we went from uh Story three, just one, you know, like we were like, it was a visual. It was for the optics, my man, you
1: know, I get it. I get it. No, no, no. You're a showman. I I know these things about you now. Uh, I guess I should ask this because we'll get a little more into the wrestling. But were you ever able to hit a pro wrestling move in your wrestling or jujitsu career?
0: The closest I've gotten to were the walls of Jericho. I'm like, oh, that's a that you can actually do that. In an MMA fight, you can actually submit someone like that. But I've never gotten it. I'm aware of it, though. I thought about it for my pro debut, to be honest.
1: It's really, really uh, good optics, because you do get a lot of views off of it. Um, I will let you know this. Uh, we have a whole sub-stack of jiu-jitsu that we call WWE BJJ. Every year, we have friends of the show submit videos of them doing pro wrestling in a jiu-jitsu setting. And every year I do a championship match uh, just for fun, uh, shits and giggles with some of our friends. We do a whole storyline, all that sort of stuff. But what I have to tell you is, uh, I'm not great at jiu-jitsu, but I'm really good at this stuff. Because all of this is like, I know how to hit a figure four from an Ashi. I know how to hit a Boston Crab to the point where yesterday we had somebody who came to our gym for the first time. He's looking to join the gym. At the end of the day, it's just me and him rolling. And I was like, hey, man, uh, do you want to get some rolls in? You know, I wasn't planning to roll tonight, but you're here and it's your first day. And he goes, yeah, yeah. And I'm kind of testing his knowledge. I go to kind of start a footlock, but I'm not finishing. I just want to see where he moves so that I know where to keep him safe. And yeah. he immediately tries to rechamber and hit a footlock on me, like aggressively. And I go, all right. And I get him in a Boston Crab and he goes, is that is that a Boston Crab? And I was like, yeah. He goes, I realized when it was happening, I didn't want to be a bitch and tap. And I was like, well, you told me you have back issues. So I didn't really want to hurt you, hurt you. And he goes, fuck, dude, how do you do that? And I was like, that's the one thing I'm really good at in jiu-jitsu is I hit all the pro wrestling moves. So people <laughs> have been tombstone during a roll. People have gotten Crippler cross-faced. Like, I can give you some tips, uh, my friend, that will help you realize that
0: uh, that is my my gift in this sport. I love that. You ever taught one, you ever had the the mic going to teach a move and they expect a real move and then you slowly show that it's a WWE move? So when I'm teaching, I try to
1: be uh, a good teacher, Yeah. but I do occasionally do this, which is um, I'll start a move and like a perfect example is neon belly pressure. So I like to tell people, I'm like, hey, for your training partners, this is the neon belly pressure I like. If you're fighting or competing, I want this one from you. And I go, but for your training partners, do this one. And if I catch you doing the other one, I'm doing that to you. So everybody be cool with each other and don't do it. And inevitably everybody goes, Hey, can I feel what it feels like to have the the real aggressive one? Uh, yeah. put on me and I go I don't the whole point is I'm trying to make it so that you don't have to feel that but all of these people are masochists so everybody wants to know what it feels like and <laughs> when that shit happens I just look at them and I go sure fine literally as I'm like knee into their sternum they're like oh my god what? And I go I'm done that's all I wanted to show you it's just my way of saying if you're gonna fight you have to expect that and that's not fun so don't fight if you don't want to fight. And if you do want to fight, get used to it and then figure out how to get out of it. And they're like, yeah, 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 okay, cool. So the same thing happens with the pro wrestling moves where I go, hey, just so you guys know, I don't want to see you do this. But if you do, I'll give you 20 bucks if I see it. Um, Here's an plata, but here's how you get a yes lock. And I'm like, you just, and I go, make sure that people can see their eyes because the eyes are the sell. And if they don't sell it, then there's no point in doing it. And so I'm like, you just want to lift up slightly. And they go, what the fuck, dude? And I was like, this is all the shit I don't do to you guys. Yeah. Like, if you ever want to realize that I'm a nice coach, this is what I do. And so occasionally they're like, can we rep it? And I was like, yeah, sure. Go nuts, kids, whatever you want. So I happen to teach at places where uh, they indulge my nonsense. But they also know they're like, yeah, you're way better at that than you are at this. And I was like, I know. It's, it's a dumb, <laughs> dumb assholes. Place. I mean, listen, dude, I, I advertise it exactly as is. I don't pretend like it's anything different. It's just, it's also part of the reason why uh, uh, we have a couple of buddies who now are starting to do pro wrestling or we have friends who are pro wrestlers who come and train with us. And then every so often I'll be like, oh, yo, because my finisher is a sharpshooter. So it's not just the Boston Crab. It's kind of like, it's a little different to actually hit that in real life, but I have. And so for a couple of them, I'm like, hey, do you want to see how you hit this move? And they're like, are you serious? And I was like, yeah, here's how you do this. And they were like, I transition from here to here. I was like, you can take it if you want. It's all yours. And they're like, okay, sick. And I've seen a couple transitions that I go, wow, oh, that, that looks pretty familiar. And My students are like, yo. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. I don't know that guy. I don't know what's happening.
0: It's probably so, the one leg than the two legs for the, like the Boston crab is probably more difficult, but you can manage one leg easier. No,
1: actually Boston crab is actually much easier from uh, so I'll send you a video of this a little bit later Yeah, but, but essentially it is this you're going for a belly down foot lock so what ends up happening is if you reap and you get a triangle over that reap what ends up happening is they're going to go out like you're doing a heel hook once they start turning off of the heel hook you put your weight down your hips down on that foot you use the other foot to trap it it gives you time to like old man get up now you're not like me so you could probably get up fairly fast but for me it takes a minute and then yeah. you can grab it. and you at least have one single leg crab, and you can finish off that um i just always like to tell people i'm like you're choosing your own destiny do you want to tap now or do you want to tap later and i prefer if you tap to the belly down footlock, but if you don't i'm still going to take it and with a couple of our guys if i get the finish and i don't get the actual like posed photo because i have like recordings of like all my training i'm like hey man now nah, this is for the gram dude i'm sorry man uh, but the sharpshooter, it's a little bit trickier. But there's there's a little way you can do it, and I have a variation that's not quite perfect, but like it looks
0: cool as fuck. Send me the video for sure. So yeah. Then I'll be able to. You, I guarantee, I'll hit it. If I, if there's details in there that I can learn, I'll hit it for sure.
1: You will become the first fighter sponsored by the Grappling Hour if you do hit it. So uh, I should warn you, though, it doesn't not much money so you're not getting much but it will be dope that you'll get plenty of play um no here's the good news i do know that uh our good friend bobby was talking to us about getting together at some point and i was saying we should do a beer one but i was like you should come train i will spend as long as needed until i'm like you're gonna drill this you motherfucker until you get this right so we're gonna make this happen but let's get back to where we were which was you started wrestling and then when does wrestling kind of become this thing that you're like, all right, I, I kind of like this. I kind of feel good at it. it like, like what is clicking for you first? Like, do you remember like the first thing in wrestling that was like
0: coming to you naturally? Um, When you just compare first year wrestler, when you see two first year wrestlers wrestling, the only, the person who wins is the one who is just naturally gifted. So I was, cream of the crop of the freshman group because I was just naturally gifted. Um, Once I jumped levels from freshman to like varsity, I was getting creamed. So that was sad. What I realized was there was a better school nearby that I would eventually transfer to. Um, And once I transferred, that's when I realized this is a real, this is something that can get me to college. This is something that I love to do. This is something that keeps me out of trouble. This is for me, right? So I transferred junior or like in between sophomore and junior year. So I had two more, two more years to actually make it happen with all those four things in mind. And when I transferred, that's when it got serious, you know, and that's when I decided, yeah, this is going to pay for my college career. Never would have imagined this is where i end up though. What a wild thing. What a wild ride.
1: Talk to me about your run on winning your first national championship because, um, In a different field, I ended up doing speech and debate. I did pretty well on a national level. I bet. Thanks. Uh, But (laughs) what I recognized is that for us on the the speaking side, it's a a mental fuck of a game. And it's without being uh, physical. Now, I played sports for 11 years of my life. Nothing challenged me more than doing the speaking part because it took all my physicality out. So all the years I had spent being like, I'm an athlete, we got this, we got this. And people were like, yeah, what if somebody just doesn't like you? And you go, well, scoreboard. And they're like, yeah, it doesn't matter. You got to get used to this. So mentality became a very important thing to me at that time. So I've always wondered for really gritty wrestlers, what was it like for that championship run for you? And what do you feel was able to make that difference? Because you mentioned, you recognize very early on, yeah, it's kind of early, naturally gifted is, is really good, but to exceed at a national level, different ballgame.
0: Yeah, um, my first year of college, I actually went to a school in Kansas. That school I chose because it was the only school interested in me. <laughs> I had to go there. Um, that actually turned out to be really amazing because typically, Every time I skill jump, like I really have a big skill gap jump, it's because one coach focuses all his energy on me. That school wasn't very big. The the team wasn't big. Um, We didn't have so much talent. So I got one-on-ones with the coach who was an All-American, a D1 All-American, all the time. So he gave me all his tools he had. And I went from someone who, senior year of high school, placed eighth in California State, to one year later placed fourth at nationals so that was a wild jump as a true freshman i didn't take it i didn't take two years in between that so that coach poured into me um gave me the comp once i once you place fourth in the nation now you you realize what you are you realize your worth you realize that now i'm actually here to set a goal for a first in the nation so sophomore year i my goal was first in the nation uh someone Uh, derails me, um, triple overtime at nationals in the semis, broken. I'm in my singlet, broken, physically like broken, mentally broken. As I'm in my singlet, my white singlet, I walk outside crying into this. I'm in Des Moines, Iowa. I sit in the snow, just feel so sorry for myself, watching my tears fall and warm up the snow and it hollows out. Like it just keeps going deeper, you know, the tears, um, That was a pivotal moment. Oh, and then my at that time while I'm crying my grandpa comes out and he gives the most Like glorious comeback Speech, you know, you have a year to make it happen To get your goal again Um, Just gives me that comeback speech and says it's not over. There's no way it's over It's not over for you go out win this third place and then prove to yourself next year that you can do it I Go out and win that third place um, at nationals, so took fourth then third but I, I go on a tear that next year as a junior. I owe an outstanding wrestler the tournament, tech, fall, or pin, or major, everybody in the bracket. In the finals, I had the biggest score gap between two champions. I won 10 to two. Not an offensive point scored on me that junior year. Just outstanding wrestler is the best way you could say it. Um, but that sophomore year loss was really what catapulted me for my next two years to win that national title. And actually, the senior year national title, I there's a there's a school that's renowned that's won nationals ten years in a row. So, which means these coaches are excellent. Which means these coaches have game plans. Which means they have enough coaches to go around to game plan um, this in the semis of my senior year. I get. I win a match three, four, they brought, they really sent out their guy with the best game plan like that I had faced that year. They almost derailed me, um, but to no prevail. And then I win that 4th or that second title my fourth year of college. So it was a wild ride, Um, but that sophomore year loss was probably the most pivotal moment in my career. Most defining as an adult, I was broken. I lost matches and cried as a kid but as an adult, where I remember the, that moment so clearly, like that's one of the most defining moments. And that was, like,
1: yeah. I feel you. Uh, I've been going through a lot of my, my stuff at home. We're, we're selling my childhood home and I've found old photos and, and awards. And what I decided to do was we do like a video game segment at the gym where guys play video games. And then I decided to give my old trophies. As the trophies. So I'm like, hey, congrats. You took second place in persuasive speaking. And you won a little league championship. And they're like, dude, these are old. And I was like, I've been around for a while, guys. And one of the kids came up to me and he goes, Hey coach, um, I don't, I don't think I can take that that trophy from you. You worked really hard for that second place. And I was like, No, 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 kid, that's a first place. Don't disrespect me like that. And he's like, uh, and I go, no, no, no. If you don't take it, it's going in the trash. And he's like, wait, but And I go, it happened a long time ago, man. Like, I'm good. And so I told him, I'm like, I'm throwing out these, but don't get me wrong. I'm keeping the national ones. The national and the state ones, that's a different beast. And you guys will never touch those. I go, <laughs> that's different. And so uh, our our gym owner, he likes to roast back. And he just goes, man, you ain't win shit. And I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, sir, have you won anything on a national level? If you can, please show to me. Because I did it multiple times. And he was like, yeah, I got some trophies I won as a kid. And I was like, no, 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 not different. You said as a kid. There's nothing quite like being broken as an adult competing in something that is essentially a game. And then being told as an adult, and being like, why do I care so much about this game? This is so stupid. And then realizing, like, shit, there's high stakes. It's way different. When you're a kid, you lose. You're probably gonna cry even if you win. Yeah. Here, you're just like, I don't know. Oh, did we win? And it's almost like an exhausted relief of, like, thank God. Alright, let's go fucking eat. People are, like, are you excited you won. Yeah, I expected to win, but also, I'm very hungry and tired. So, let's, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: give me stuff. So, so in those competitions, the debate ones, Speech. it's subjective. So you don't really know you win until it's announced it, right?
1: So the way it works is they do it open prelims, then they go down to quarters. So it's 24. So with that, you go from hundreds of participants down to 24 people, sometimes maybe even thousand. I, I think it's high hundreds, but wow. definitely you have to qualify just to get there. So it's already weeded out a number of bad people or people who are maybe sometimes really good but didn't quite get it in that event. And you could do multiple events. So on the speech side, it's prepared speeches, and there's different forms, informative, persuasive, uh, after-dinner speaking, which is kind of funny, and communication analysis. Then there's like acting kind of ones, and then there's impromptu or extemporaneous ones. I did a lot of them. And when I would work that way, I'd just be like, all right, cool. I'm going to try and be like overall best at like a number of these things. I did really well in pretty much everything. I at least broke on a national level in every event I competed in. So I was like, all right, dope. I feel like I can go compete. I can go do this. Man, it is, it is grueling though. When somebody would be like, you were perfect. I don't like your topic. Fourth in the round. And you're like, I can't be any better. So that's why as a, as an athlete, you get used to, I scored a goal. We win. I scored goal. We win in wrestling. Sometimes if you don't get something called for you, you go, wait, 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 no, 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 That's not the rules. The rules say that I did this. So there's a little bit of interpretation, right? Now imagine that interpretation being the entire judgment and no scoreboard. And you go to yourself like, I'm undeniable in this round. But because you don't agree with this, or you don't think I made the point eloquently enough, you're going to go with somebody else who may be flubbed, who maybe did this, and mm-hmm. that shit will like keep you up at night. So that's where I learned. Like when these guys are coming up to me and they're competing at speech or and uh, jujitsu or MMA now, I'm kind of like, hey man, I've been there, dude, in a very different form. But I understand when I talk to them, similar to the way I'm sure your grandpa talked to you, it's like okay. Let's say you're a really good person and you're trying to get to ADCC and you go to trials and you don't make it. What's the first thing I'll probably say to you if you didn't win that day?
0: What'd you do wrong?
1: Right. But the first thing I'm actually going to say is because I, before we can even get to that point is uh-huh. what? Are you not good at jujitsu? jitsu And they're like, no, I'm like, do I suck in this? And you go like, no, you don't. They only pick one person. You think all these other people suck. So if you can't get past this one thing, we don't need to talk because you shouldn't be competing at this level. Number two, now we get to what'd you do wrong? Because if I can't win with that mental activity up here, then we don't need to talk. Like, then it's just gonna be me saying like, go win Naga, go win a local competition. And that's why right now, when I'm doing my like local fun little competitions, I'm in a great mood. I'm just like, dude, this is not stressed. It's just, let's get some Intel, Let's have some fun. Let's do some stuff. And uh, I think the nice part about competing when you're old is that you end up getting very excited that other people made the division for you. So like all the old people in the master's divisions are like, "Hey, man, thanks for taking a week off, dude. I appreciate you. You know, like, as opposed to like any other experience I've ever had, like I've never had this many people get excited just to see each other. And uh, even my buddy who walloped me uh, at the most recent competition, I like the first time I see him, I like walked up to him and I was like, he's like massaging me and be like, hey man, how you doing? I'm like, he's trying to get in my head and fuck this guy. And then like I turn around, I'm like, hey man, what's up? My guy trying to kill me. And he's like, no, no, I'm not trying to kill you. And I'm like, I don't believe you. I think you want to kill me, bro. And so we laugh about it. And then afterwards, like, dude, he's he flips his switch, similar to you. Like, he's so like relaxed and chilled. And then when he's out there, he's a different person to the point mm-hmm. where he was telling me, he's like, dude, you're strong. And I was like, fuck off, dude. No, I'm not. You're strong. And I told him, I was like, dude, you tried to put your your bald head into my face to stop a sweep. And he just looked at me and he goes, oh, dude, I blacked out. I don't remember any of that. And I was like, yeah, I know. You're not, you're not the same nice guy that I was talking to who was massaging me 20 minutes ago. I was like, now you're a fucking killer. And he's just like, oh, dude. So to me, I'm like, dude, that's so much more fun to me now to to be in that space, but I also have sympathy and recognize like man, it's not easy to be there. It's a lot of checking in on yourself. It's a lot of uh, getting used to consistency and boring, and having that become the norm, and then uh, you know maybe maybe you reap the benefit of it, and then if you don't like reassessing what the next thing is. So one of the nice parts is you mentioned having this big team. I was a part of a big team that won nationals for the first time in its 30 years. And then I was a part of a big team that had the money to buy expensive talent and brought me in as a coach. So I Mm. went from, "Uh oh, we don't have their resources, but we beat them to, oh, now we have all the blue chip kids in the nation. So if we don't win, it's actually considered a problem. So being on both sides of those things is great except when you get these blue chip kids who are out of high school they come up to you and they're like hey I already win and you go great and they're like yeah we're just going to beat this other team and I was like not always I was like you can listen to what I say but just remember I beat you on a budget so do you want to win or do you want to be a child and they'd be like no <laughs> win
0: so. Yeah, man, I don't know how you guys did that, like how you lived with scoring that you couldn't see happening real time. Like, well, that's why, like my first question with my, any match of mine, what did I do wrong? But it might be hard to know what you did wrong. Like if they're judging criterias or if they're judging, just not how you would judge, you know?
1: So it, since we're getting into the weeds of this, I will tell you, it gave me two good things. The first was, yes, you don't see a real-time score. Um, But think of it like an MMA. You don't see the real-time score, per se, if you're an athlete in the event. You kind of get told at the end, and you're like, 20, 30, something like, what?
0: Which is still um, difficult for me. Like, I... Like, we we don't know until they say it, which is so wild to me. So I guess I have a little bit of experience, like... You do more than you think. One decision. Yeah. What
1: I would tell you though is this is that we wouldn't know what the judges said about you until maybe that Monday. And they have ballots. So your coaches would get ballots, which would have the scores on them. But you wouldn't know if you broke until they posted it on a wall. And then you'd see it on a wall. And so all of us would be looking up like, did I break? And then you had to come up with the world's best poker face if you didn't. So literally, this is how we'd look like. If I broke, it was this. If I didn't break, it was this. That's <laughs> that's as subtle as you can be because you can't let them know inside that you're going through it. So you would literally have to just go, okay. And sometimes I would look at the round and I'd be like, oh shit, those are fucking monsters. All right, let's fucking go. But like that's what's thinking here, the way I look is, and then just taking off into a room and running the speech real quick and then going. So I having an athlete approach is kind of weird in it, but it, it did give me a way to channel it. But the thing I took away that was really good, and this is what I tell our athletes, is I say, hey, you know there was a practice where we didn't look at our ballots until Monday. So I don't look at any competition tape until Monday. So that means if they compete on a Saturday, take the day off because nothing good is going to come the next day. You will not have true perspective. If you lost a a hair of a, of a close of a match kind of a thing, you're still going to be in that space of like, I should have won, or I should be that. And your, your emotions get too tied to it. Two days give you perspective of don't look at it. And it's a practice because when you have a good day, and you're at the hotel, you want to see that footage. So I have this discipline now where if anybody's like, yo, I got your match, I was like, just send it to me by top of Monday because then I'll, I'll have the perspective, good or bad. Because if I look at it when I'm good, I get too cocky and being like, ah, oh, they can't touch me, man. Nobody can get out of this Kimura. And then Tuesday I go <laughs> roll with one of our guys and I'm like, oh shit, they got out of my Kimura. They're not that good. Fuck. So I, I have learned that as a practice and it's my way of giving, uh, my friends, or athletes time and space to, to get themselves back in and check that way. So that's one thing that I've taken from that.
0: That's a good perspective. I'd love, I'd have loved to do some debate like that. I'm not good at it. I've never really had practice in it, but like I'd idolize that side of competition that you have. That's so cool. I promise you this
1: based off of your, your personality and your commitment, uh, had things been different and you had been put in my speech class, I could have made you a national champion. Even if you're like, I don't know if I'm good at it. It's just, it's an attitude. And, uh, having coached some, uh, national champions, you always work with the guy who works hard. Like you just, you, you do. And there were, there were like males, females, like, who would literally step into my room and they would literally just be like, I would do the following test with them. And Viewers of the show will know this, but I ask them, do you want to be good or do you want to win? And they'd be like, well, I want to win. I'm like, okay, great. And I would give them a speech and I'd be like, here's a topic. This topic will win. It's very sexy. People like that topic. It's very critical right now. And the people were like, well, I want to be good. I was like, great. We're going to find you a topic that resonates with you. It might take a little more time but it's not going to be the one that's sexy that just everybody goes "Ooh, i want to win with that and i want to hear that it's going to take a lot more finesse and people are like well why would you ever just want to be good and not win and i go because good will always win over winning because winning will make you mad if you don't win if you take second you think you didn't accomplish it but if you're good you're going to keep working Because the topic resonates with you and people will see that. And then when you get into that result, when people go, I just didn't feel your speech, that doesn't exist anymore. So the best people, though, are the people who come in and say, why not both? And I go, great, let's get to work. You're going to be a national champion. So sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, Listen, we are going over our time. I do want to be respectful of your time, but I do want to get a couple more questions in if we're still good. Let's run it. All right. Let's get into where jiu-jitsu finds its way to you. This show is called Grappling Hour. We've talked more about professional wrestling than we have your jiu-jitsu. So let's get into the actual moment where you, after, is it after you win this national title, dose that then you find jiu-jitsu? Where, where does it kind of enter your
0: life, sir? Yes, on March 10th, 2020, that's the tournament, the final tournament of wrestling nationals. I win that fourth one. Three days later, shuts down. Everything shuts down. So, which is pretty sick. We got that national tournament in three days before it ended. Um, nuts, right? Great for my, great for me. <clears throat> but now I have a year and a half of. We're looking t- towards a year and a half of like seclusion and nothing. You know, about. A month after March 13, 2020, I moved back home to San Diego and went in with my family. And then six months later, I just pick up jiu jitsu because I need some competition in my life. I do some of that. I do those little Naga tournaments, the grappling industries. I do um, Fullerton's. What's, what is it? Uh, like World League. World League, yeah. JJWL. And um, gradually, like of all of those five, like I gradually went up a belt. the first time I went blue belt. Second time I went like purple, purple, uh, purple blue. Then I actually tried black belt one time at like a smaller, like Naga and I won it. So that's when I kind of, I did the thing where I was all cocky. I'm like, oh, I need something else. I need something new. By no means did I go against black belts that are like well renowned at that Naga tournament. But then I realized I needed some more competition and, um, that's when I moved to San Diego to really like jump into the arena and be amongst like, I didn't have money for Legion. I didn't have money for autos, but I could train at arena and then cross train at those later. So that's when I realized I wanted to do MMA as well and get, get the full package going.
1: All right. I always ask this of anybody who does MMA, but it takes a certain kind of person to want to go from just doing jujitsu or wrestling. What compels a person, even as crazy as yourself, to look at your options and say, yeah, fighting's for me. I think I want this.
0: I think I was just... I needed more um, more excitement than just a jiu-jitsu match would provide. Because I think wrestling... I think I was wrestling at such a high caliber that those matches were all big and they produced a lot of excitement. The, the Jiu-Jitsu World Leagues, or like the smaller ones, the smaller Jiu-Jitsu ones that I was doing weren't producing the excitement. So I I thought, well, where can I get this Where can I get this feeling again? So I decided to sign up for my first MMA fight before I had ever sparred or trained at a gym. Um, and I signed up for an MMA fight like October 29th, 2021. I signed up for that October 1st basically making myself have a deadline which made me go to practice for 29 days in a row before my fight
1: (laughs) so that was your first fight back then yeah okay let me let me see if i can do some math here because i'm sometimes pretty good at math uh you said that you've had 11 fights okay So you're legitimately on a card every other month at this point, then, if I'm doing that math correct?
0: Yeah. um, I did a tournament. I did a couple tournaments. So I did, for some fights, I did, over the course of three days, I did three fights. (laughs) Okay. More compressed than you're thinking.
1: (laughs) <laughs> okay, just making sure, because that doesn't make it better. I want to make sure that no. you understand that doesn't make it like, oh, okay, that's a reasonable thing. We're good here. Yeah, It's yeah. closed. No. <laughs> okay, okay. Let me ask this then, because this is a natural progression of it, and then we're going to backtrack. But yeah, it's easy to, in your brain, if you're this kind of competitive and you're looking for that rush find your way into wanting to compete maybe once or twice in a fight? What keeps you doing it? What motivates you to want to keep fighting?
0: Mm, what motivates me to want to keep fighting? It's For me, it's just a lifestyle of pursuing... The, the mixed martial arts is just so compelling to want to pursue, trying to perfect something that can't be perfected. Um, I always say this, I say this nowadays, like, imagine you push someone up against a cage and you have a single leg. I have so many options. Do I lift him up and I put him down? Do I decide to branch away, create a frame, an elbow, or do I sa- decide to pull his head down for a guillotine? Like, there's so many options, and that's the thing that I like to do I like to get good at all those and then realize that there's other ones that I don't even know yet it's just that it's just I mean in life for me I tell everybody you have to have mini goals you have to set mini goals so in MMA it's an endless mini goal I can set endless mini goals and I can get good at endless things because there's endless mixed martial arts techniques you know so for me it's just keep it keeps me on track and it keeps me focused and it keeps me my mind right
1: it's a good mentality i always ask this of everybody and we may have kind of waddled past it a little bit and do what 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 do you keep doing this for like legitimately it looks like you're pulling like on a string every two seconds for this thing like it it looks like a hand clapper that's happening underneath you
0: i have like sweat dripping down my belly i'm in illinois illinois no i'm in (laughs) illinois and It's like pretty humid out here I'm right by the lake It's a beautiful beautiful spot, but it's hot I understand
1: that, okay The question I was going to ask
0: Yeah, I'm just cooling off
1: No, I get it, it's just It's happening to the point where I'm like I should ask the guest if he is okay Because he might evaporate at this point Because you've been doing Like the first couple times I'm like all right, I'm just going to let it go On the 40th time here, I'm like Do you need a second? Do you need a southern lady fan That you can kind of like I've caught the vapors, sir. Like, if you need that, that's fine. We can give you some time, sir. (laughs) No, it's good. All right, the question I have for you is, that we ask everybody is, when did you know that you fell in love with grappling? Now, obviously, that can include wrestling, but to go from doing jiu-jitsu to signing up for these tournaments, to doing MMA, what you are finding it now is as a career. So where do you find a love and passion for uh, grappling in itself? And... Do you kind of know when that happens and when does it happen?
0: I've always been in love with it, but this is a cool question because I was thinking about this the other day. I'm actually finding a new love for it at this moment because I'm, and I'm finding a thirst for this grappling. Um, I'm making a name for myself in San Diego. San Diego is what there's three locations where jiu-jitsu is like popping off right now. Austin SD and then New York or something. But San Diego, there's so much talent here. There's so much talent here. And now that I, I'm imagining myself being the UFC champion in a couple years. To be a UFC champion, nowadays, you need to be good at everything. So I'm, I'm gonna face black belts. I'm gonna face black belts. I I have to get my rounds in with Keenan when I can. I have to get my rounds in with Sloan. I have to get my rounds in with Bradley. I have to get my rounds in with Bradley's friends. Dubious Dom, you know? have to get my rounds in with robert winther um so i'm finding that there's an upper echelon of jiu-jitsu that i'm kind of uncovering and i'm peeking through right now and i'm just opening up that door and really falling in love with the jiu-jitsu that i need to have in order to be the ufc champ you know so there's just a new love growing right now i love hearing that man because most people always say it in
1: past tense uh whenever i ask that question you're one of the first guests to talk about it in a present tense which is you know, I'm finding it now. Like I, I recognize it's happening now, and I think you're right. I think a large part of that is because you're in the room with this high tier talent, and you're not just offering them nothing. If anything, even if you didn't have your wrestling, you'd have great movement. But the fact that you have wrestling is a good premium for a lot of these jujitsu nerds. No, 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 do a them, um, All right. But what I do find is, you know, being in that room is going to continue to elevate you. And especially if you have those very ambitious goals, being around those folks who have been very successful at this will bring new things out of you that you probably didn't even know you had in you. And we saw some of that at Subversive, and I think that's part of the reason why we wanted to talk here. Anthony, I'm not gonna continue dragging you here forever, but what's really nice about you is you are as advertised. You're an engaging person, you're super nice, Uh, you obviously are a great competitor And I love hearing what you kind of have envisioned for yourself because if you just, if you stay on your grind, I can very much see those things happening for you. So just continue doing it, continue being a beast. Um, normally whenever we end an interview, we like to give you an opportunity to shout out, uh, your, your team or anybody that you want to give a a quick mention of how they helped you get ready for subversive and beyond. And then I also want to give you an opportunity to shout out any sponsors you have, uh, none the least of our good friends over at super rare, which by the way, I don't know if we can make this work, but super rare, you guys wanna give me anything? Come on, listen, this dude's only somewhat good looking. This dude right here, come on, this is this is the real host. You want you want the broadcaster. This dude's <laughs> gonna get on pretty real quick. I've seen him get slapped, he's bled his own blood. This guy's <laughs> never bled his own blood, so I'm just saying, you don't have to worry about your merchandise getting messed up, but uh, sir, the floor is all yours.
0: Um, well, I just want to thank you for this podcast. It was so fun today. I'm excited for the next round over some beers I'll bring you a hot chip so you can eat a hot chip challenge or something Hold on.
1: No, 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 no. Don't do that to me. (laughs) Listen, bro. I, I want to be very clear My dad had a really high tolerance. So for years I have thought I was kind of like a pussy. I didn't think I had a real tolerance and it's only recently that I've started realizing like, oh, I can, I can kind of put away some like hot sauce, like some like hot
0: items. It cut out a little bit, but your dad, what'd you say about your dad? Oh, okay.
1: I got you, man. I was just saying for years, I thought I was a pussy with tolerance, but uh, I've now recently due to hot ones recognized. I I have a little bit of a tolerance and better than I thought it would be. But I don't like come in bragging like you with a championship belt being like, hey, man, I'm king of this hot sauce. I'm like, dude, every time I do it, I go, what a surprise. I handled that. That's not bad. And some people are like, is it hot? I was like, "It well, it's definitely hot. So, like, I don't, I don't over brag. I, I definitely undersell on that. So, I don't know if I'm ready for a hot chip. But what we'll do, and I'll let you get think, back to your shout outs. But when we do, I'll just bring a surprise when we do come. Fair that? enough. But here's what we're we're going to create a system here. We're going to exchange. Uh, You, sir, I think this is a good exchange. I think you'll give me some what we refer to as uh, I believe it's good old American wrestling, and in exchange, I will teach you the real wrestling, uh, which is that of the profession that has been going on for years in the arts, so that way you can hit somebody with uh, the dumbest move that will go viral uh, in your MMA career, sir.
0: I like that trade, I like that trade. But yeah, for my sponsors, thank you to Juju's Kitchen. This is a food, this is based in San Diego. Um, Shows videos of him going to the farm and getting his fresh veggies and getting his fresh um, cilantro and those little garnishes. He's just killer, Juju's Kitchen. Love them to death. Super rare. Shout out to super rare. And, and then other than that, I just want to shout out to my team for preparing me for every fight. I mean, all those, I couldn't have fought those 11 fights in my career without them. You know, they've traveled to Monterrey, Mexico with me. They traveled to Serbia with me for these fights. Like, always got my back. And then my teammates specifically, who always, I'm sharpening with them. I mean, subversive. Couldn't have done subversive, hopped in that without Robert Winther get me prepared, Alex Trinidad, and then my coach Vince, you know, Savages, Adam Bradley too. My God. But, yeah, as far as that, those are my shout-outs. I also want to say I love to do other things, you know. I like long walks on the beach. I like wakeboarding. I like Kane Gillis. I love comedians. If anyone has a good comedy show, an assignment for me to do for the debate to become a debater, let me know. Love to always trying to always search in different realms, learn different things, you know? So
1: I think you're, you're going to be good at no matter what you do. So I love hearing that. And I I can always recommend a good new talent that I spot out here in LA whenever I see them. But Uh, here's what we're going to do, sir. I'm going to close this up. I'm going to say bye to you off air in just a second. I'm just going to say the n words here, but, uh, I cannot say this enough, man, good kid, good attitude, good, everything it's going to carry you far. But, uh, I definitely wanted to do this interview for so many reasons. The least of which was that when you gave us those great matches, I was like, you know what? I always try to observe and let people know we're watching, we see it, we appreciate it, and the whole staff on the subversive team was talking about you in a very favorable light and saying, like, yeah, you want to root for that guy. You want to see him succeed. So thank you for being a, a, a pretty good person, both in front and off the mats.
0: Of course. Thank you
1: for having me. All right, brother. I'll see you in a second. But to the rest of you goons, let me just say this. Thank you so much for watching. I know that you guys got to hear a lot of great stuff. If you liked this interview, and I hope you did, because if you stayed this long, it means you did. You can do me a solid. Go on over. Go to high.page backslash grappling hour. Become a member of the grappling hour community. Five bucks a month just to see these interviews 30 days before anybody else. And guess what? You'll want to see them 30 days before anybody else, because then you're going to have to wait. And you don't want to wait. Nobody waits anymore. We're all an instant gratification society. That's what we need right now. Give it to me now. Don't have me wait. Now, now, now. If you want that, I. Page backslash grappling hour. And if you really want to support the show, see our extra content, maybe see me go through a table. That's a that's a real clip. That's a thing that kind of happened. Yeah. You can go become a premium member and you can find that at I. Page as well. You can also become a member of our Discord where we put up early clips Questions every day, engagement, I'm in there all the time. You guys can always ask me questions. And especially if I know who the guest is, I sometimes put that guest in that chat and let you guys give me some questions, if they're good, if they're good. And then last thing I want to mention, if you made it all the way through, you can do me another solid, which is you can like, subscribe, and comment on this video, wherever you're watching. It would mean a lot. Tell us what you liked. Tell me what your favorite jujitsu position, even if you didn't like the interview. You're hearing this, just say half guard somewhere in there. Totally fine. Acceptable. Because that helps us as well. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us here at the Grappling Hour. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It's been a great day for grappling. We'll see you back on the mats.